0: Alaska, or just about anywhere the fish are biting. Rod and Real Radio brought to you by El Cajon Ford at Broadway and Main or online at ElCajonFord.com. Whether it's time for a new or used car or truck or you need to take advantage of San Diego's best quick lane for service with genuine Ford parts, brand name tires at competitive prices, remember nobody beats El Cajon Ford. We have some fantastic guests and reports lined up for you this evening, so sit back, relax, and get ready for the fastest two hours of radio. It's all right here, right now, on Rod and Real Radio, the best stop on your radio dial for all the information you need for fishing opportunities all over the United States. Now, here's your host, hop along, John Cassidy.
1: Hey, thank you, Mark Larson, and we want to welcome Southern California back to Rod and Real Radio. We also want to welcome all of you that have been watching the Dallas-Green Bay game. Thanks a lot, along with our regular listeners. Uh, We appreciate you choosing to hang with us tonight. Hey, I am your underfished host, Hopalong John Cassidy, and we've got a great show lined up for you tonight. Let me give you the rundown of just who's going to be with us. First out of the gate, we're going to have pro-angler Gary Klein. He's going to be talking to us about what he's been doing here in the, the past year since we talked to him. And then he's going to update us on some of the special happenings with Major League fishing. So you're going to want to hear all of that. And then after Gary, Captain Franker said he's going to be with us. Uh, Captain Frank is the managing partner of H&M Landing. There's a lot happening down at the landing. And then we're also going to be updated on what's happening with this Mexican biosphere situation on the coastal islands off the Baja coast. So you're going to want to hear that. And then coming up in the 6 o'clock hour, Dwayne Pontenot is going to be with us from the San Diego Anglers. It's that time of the year again the 22nd annual mm-hmm. san diego anglers open bay bass tournament's going to be happening august the 21st mm-hmm. Dwayne's going to fill us in on all those details and last but not least it's also showtime here in the southwest mike lumb general manager of the fred hall shows presented by progressive insurance he's going to be with us to update us on the now three fred hall shows that'll be happening here in southern california so it's going to be a great show, but before we start out, let me please introduce you to the co-host of Rod and Reel Radio. First of all, this gentleman is the voice of one 800 Boat and a pretty good angler in his own right, Mr. Stan Vandenberg. Stan, how you doing, sir?
2: Alive and well, John. Good evening, everybody. I'm looking forward to a start of a year. I've been in the garage today, kind of I pulled all of the Christmas ornaments and stuff out of the boat and put them up and vacuumed the carpet and got it cleaned up to go out to free fish. Getting ready for my first tournament, so I'm getting ready, man. I'm excited.
1: I wouldn't blame you, Stan. I think it's going to be a great season, and it could be a couple of these ponds that we have out here in the west might have a little water in them this year so we can go fish. So we're looking forward to that, huh?
2: You know, we got rain as as they almost filled up. Not saying up north. I guess Folsom was coming over the top. They're expecting more rain that's been running off Uh, the Uh, San Antonio is filling up. Nasi is almost over the top there. So lots of water for the Northern California lakes. We haven't seen so much down here, I think. Um, I went over to see Casitas the other day just to look at and see where the water level was without pre-fishing yet. And and it's down probably 12 vertical feet from the last time I fished it, which was in June. Um, And they've only got two inches of water that came in (laughs) since with the storm. So they're... They're a little. They're hurting still. We'll have to see what happens um, in this next volley as they start coming through. Maybe they'll start putting water in some of the lakes down here.
1: Let's hope so. And I know our first guest. He's going to be happy, even though he doesn't live in the area anymore. His home Blake Oroville is pretty full too. So we're going to talk to him about that. But before we get to our first guest, I need to introduce the other co-host for Rod and Real Radio. She is the national sales manager for Iserline and one heck of a sportsman in her own right, Wendy Tushara. Wendy, how you doing, ma'am?
3: I'm doing great. I love all this rain. It's nice to see that the scales on the freshwater side are up because we finally have water. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I'm looking forward to And with all this water, I've been planting a whole bunch of seeds. I, I planted 17 different peppers, chili peppers and tomatoes this morning. And uh, I'm looking forward to of saltwater this year. Don't know if we're going to have some Albacore, but who knows? Maybe we will this year. We're
2: crossing our fingers on that. When we got the cold water moved up uh, up north, so no, we'll just see how how much of a curve it gets. This coming into the bank down here, it'll be interesting.
1: Well, we're going to be keeping track of that all season. But hey, before any of that happens, let's get to our first guest. He's a pro angler. He's uh, been on the uh, uh, national tour for a few years. He's also the creator of an exciting format for bass fishing that I know a lot of us are familiar with, Major League Fishing. Let me introduce our listening audience to Mr. Gary Klein. Gary, welcome to the show.
4: Well, thank you very much. I appreciate you guys uh, and ladies for uh, having me on the program this evening.
1: Hey, Gary, it is indeed a pleasure to have you. And uh, I know you're now living in Texas. Uh, this weekend, if you're a football fan, is a t- was a tough weekend for Texas. But we appreciate you so tearing yourself minute, away to be with you're us.
4: You're telling me I I watched the entire program except for I, I have not been able to see the last two minutes. Did we lose?
2: You did. Uh, <laughs> Everybody really got a field goal, Tom. Two beat. two fifty yarders. The first one they called the timeout. The Cowboys called the timeout with one second left. And then uh, he kicked the same second field goal through from 51 yards or whatever 35 yeah. yards out, so he lost. The Cowboys,
1: yeah, yeah the Cowboys well, it, had sacked, had yeah, sacked they the,
2: lost in the quarter.
1: Yeah, the, the Cowboys had sacked the uh, Green Bay quarterback uh, and uh, with about 20 seconds left. And then he came up on um, third down and threw a 35 yard pass completion. And then with no time left, Green Bay, I hit a 52-yard <laughs> field goal to end the game. Sorry uh, about yeah, but that, I that, Definitely a good game. Hey, <laughs> it
2: was.
4: That, it
1: was the most exciting one. Super
2: Bowl either way. <laughs>
1: it was the most exciting one. Well, hey, now it gives us time to get on to other things, and, and why not talk about fishing? And Gary, if you can, you know, we've talked a little bit about your, your uh, past and and how you got involved with uh, pro angling uh, uh, on on past shows, but get us up to date on what's been happening to you in the past year or so before we get into talking about uh, major league fishing. Oh,
4: yeah, I, mean, I, I ran. I run a real busy schedule. You know, fishing the uh, Bass Elite, uh, the Bass Opens, and also major league fishing, and it keeps me. Uh, Let's say, I'm pretty engaged twelve months out of the year. <laughs> you know, if I'm not, yeah, if I'm not competing, you know, I do an awful lot of uh, uh, seminars and teaching and product development with my corporate sponsors. So I'm on the road an awful lot.
2: You know, you've been doing the product development well for uh, as long as I've known you, and I we fished against each other back in the old days, Western Bass and mm-hmm. uh, the and the days of, on the river back there. I remember. I was on Team Contender Ryobi with Paul Cormany and Corey Christensen and a couple other guys, and we were pleasant, and you were bringing out, you brought out fish formula carotid juice, it, as, and introduced it to everybody at the lake there, which I had in my boat for about three or four times before I used it, and it actually helped. Yeah,
4: yeah. Well, it's just amazing, you know. Um, it, it's so, It's been so much fun for me to be a part of this industry, of course, you know the reason why I've enjoyed it so much, and I've had such a long career is because I'm very passionate about the sport. I mean, I love to fish. Uh, I mean, I grew up in Northern California hunting and fishing, and and literally I can't explain or express uh, how much I really am addicted to fishing. I mean, I just I enjoy it. I like to be in the outdoors. And I like the challenge of trying to figure out, you know, current conditions and, you know, figure out the bite on these fish. And to put that into a competitive arena uh, even amps it up a lot more for me. So um, I'm, I'm very energized about fishing all the time.
1: You know, uh, Gary, it, it, that just seems to be the underlying theme from a lot of the pros that we talked to. Two weeks ago we had Jimmy Houston and Shaw Griggs be on. Last week we had Dean Rojas on with them. And everyone, you know, we're asking him, how can you keep that schedule up? How can you go from this destination? Put all the, the hours in your vehicles that you do uh, traveling. Spend time away from the family. And each one of them say because they've got a passion for fishing that just seems to be insatiable.
4: Mm-hmm. Oh, exactly. And mean, if you don't have it. Uh, you have no longevity in this sport because, mm-hmm. you know, I don't care who you are, how good you think you are, uh, same cycle. And, uh, you know, to me, my vision of success, my definition of success is not the highs. I mean, anybody can go out and have a good year or have a good season and, and you know, really, you know, those are the fun times, but to me the key is being able to figure out how to, you know, you know, level out the lows, because everybody cycles, all great anglers do, and, you know, you take my career, for example, and I've been involved in this sport uh, in my entire life, I started competing in California, western bass, west coast bass, uh, when I was 15 years old, left California in 79 to fish BASS, Uh, you know, I'm now 59, qualified for 30 classics, I'm still competing, Uh, you know, uh, I'm I'm a competitor, I, I really, really, uh, thrive on that, but let me just say this, is that one thing that I can say that I've, well, there's a lot, but one thing that I've observed is this, that over the years, the fishing across the country has gotten better. Our lakes have more bass in them. They have better quality bass in them, both largemouth, smallmouth, and spotted bass, and that really goes a lot to say for our fishing our, our, our fishing game, uh, you know, uh, Uh, departments, and the anglers, you know, catch and release. Everybody kind of gets how precious these fish are. Um, But fishing today is better than it's ever been. But from a competitor's standpoint, is that I have been kind of very, very much involved, but I'm actually having to relearn how to compete again. Because fishing over the last few years, competitive fishing, has changed so dramatically yeah, Oh, if you look back, a lot of the so-called you know guys that that you know have been fishing all their careers, and all of a sudden you know they they don't do any good anymore. It's almost like they go brain dead. It's not because they don't have the ability; it's because they haven't relearned the sport. Uh, so that's what I've been actively and engaged in. And in fact, you know, the first two events on my Bass Elite season, I found myself in a hundredth place in the points. After two, that's the worst start that I've ever had in my career uh, at the beginning of a season. So I had to dig deep and start really analyzing. And I came back, and I only missed the Classic by 12 points. Um, and so if I would have just finished 80th in my first two events, I would have made Classic. It would have been my 31st Classic. So, you know, I'm really looking forward to this upcoming season. I heard Stan talking about, you know, breaking the boat in and getting it ready. I just picked up my new boat yesterday. Uh, wow. so that's how back I got it in the shot, and I'm kind of getting ready to start with our first season tournament. It's gonna to be on Lake Cherokee in East Tennessee. Uh, hopefully that's gonna be a real cold, uh, icy event. I'm looking forward to that. But the point in this conversation what I, that what I was trying to make is that I really enjoy being a part of this sport. I enjoy being a part of this industry. It's forever changing and, you know, that's probably what really keeps me engaged. It's never the same thing. Every day is different. Every hour is different when you're on the water, and our competition is getting better. They're better educated. They have access to more information, and uh, it is a challenge. you got to push yourself.
2: You know, that's, uh, I think, more than anything. Well, one thing I know about Gary is, too, he, he gets it. I was told by uh, Greg Hines, this is back, in the Western Bass U.S. Bass days, too, that he had lost one of his sponsors, and and I asked him, you know, what are you what are you going to do? And he goes, you know what, I, I'm going to look for where's the next story, where can I make a difference? And I know Gary has made a difference with his sponsors. He's got people that he continually helps to promote the sport and push the sport in directions that it needs to go uh, and I I think you can kind of almost get caught up with all of that Gary and and then what you're saying is it, as the sport has progressed too with all of the new equipment that is changed our sport with spectra and the lures and castability and the reels. I mean, the action that you can get on some of the baits nowadays, you have to kind of keep up with that or it'll pass you by. And a lot of guys haven't had a chance to do that. But being involved with the sport as long as you've been around, you've done a great job at both promotion of the sport and, and promoting the, the, uh, with the sponsors that you've got.
4: Well, I've been behind the, I have at times been behind the curve as far as learning because I get hard-headed like everybody else. (laughs) Uh, But I think really probably the biggest change is the information highway. Oh, yeah. Now somebody will figure out a technique, and, you know, by the end of the weekend, he's shared it on his social media, and now people from across the country are going, what in the world is this dude doing? You know, how is he rigging it like this? And, you know, within a week, a lot of the really good anglers will pick up on it if it is a great technique. But that's also part part of what I enjoy. I mean, it's fun to be on the leading edge of technology and on the leading edge of education and on the leading edge of learning. So it's pretty awesome.
1: Hey, Gary, uh, uh, just before we break, real quickly, when they write your epitaph and they go, (laughs) Gary was a great fisherman, and when he was in a pinch, he turned to the, an order to succeed. What uh, what technique are you going to put down?
4: Well, without a doubt, if I had to go to, a, you know, my, my love is shallow water flipping. Uh, you know, Dee Thomas taught that, um, you know, when I was 15 years old and continues. And, and even today, we I talk to D. and, you know, he, he's always helped me. But flipping is what I like to do because it's shallow water targets. I can see with my eyes. I can read the water real quick. And it's just
1: me and the fish. All right. Hey, Gary, we got to take break right now. Uh, uh, can you stay on for another segment? Because we still need you to talk about Major League Fishing.
4: Sure,
1: I would love to. Hey, uh, Stan, Wendy, and I, we're speaking with pro-angler Gary Hines. I'm sorry, Gary Klein. Hey, uh, stay tuned. More Rod Real Radio to come after these messages. <laughs>
0: we uh-huh. you
6: If the fish are biting, I'm on my boat, rain or shine. Of course, I wear my life jacket. It's like wearing a seatbelt. Clip it on, grab my tackle box, and hit the water.
7: Love California. Boat California. Save California. A message from California State Parks Division of Boating and Waterways.
8: Adventures. Call today HM Landing 619 222 1144 or visit their website at www.hmlanding.com for updated schedules and secure online booking. HM Landing, the experienced angler's first choice in local and multi day fishing since 1935. That's HM Landing at 619 222 1144 or hmlanding.com. 2015
9: and 16, quantum fishing's gone and done it again for you with the brand new redesigned Smoke PT Reel Series. Everything from your spinning reels all the way to your baitcasters. The PTA design has new PTXA frame. Lighter, stronger, bone-crushing drag, quantum fishing. We are performance-tuned. Check them out at Angler's Arsenal in La Mesa or anglersarsenal.com or give us a call at 619-466-8355.
0: It's a big deal. You know, I've always wanted to be on Rod and Real Radio. <laughs> I won the Bassmaster Classic. I did a, a McDonald's commercial, but now I know I've made it. I fulfill my dream.
10: That is just absolutely
1: awesome. Hey, Stan, Wendy, and I, we want to welcome you back to Rod and Real Radio. Our first guest for the evening is Gary Klein. And... We've talked a little bit about uh, Gary's pro career and what it's doing uh, right now, but I know one of the things he's excited about Mm -hmm. is a format that he's actually the creator of. Uh, All of the fishermen that we've talked to on the pro ranks think this is absolutely one of the best formats that they've ever had a chance to fish on, and that's major league fishing. And Gary, can you tell us a little bit about major league fishing, how it came about and how it has evolved over the past six seasons?
4: Well, I tell you, you know, that, that's always been a, <clears throat> a dream of mine, is being able to showcase, um, you know, something that's always been dear to my heart, and that was the, the competitive aspect of, you know, bass fishing. And, of course, uh, everybody that knows me knows my career. You know, I've competed in hundreds and hundreds of uh, bass tournaments. I think just in BASS alone I'm at 400 Um uh, So, you know, this is something that I have lived. But six years ago, a group of guys and myself got together, boy, Beckett, and I had a vision. And this vision that we talked about wasn't clear at first, but all we knew is that we just wanted to elevate the sport and get it to a larger audience. Because in my heart, I still don't think that bass fishing, the competitive part of bass fishing, has been recognized as a true sport. You know, it's a bunch of guys that get together, we enjoy the outdoors, we pay an entry fee, and we go and compete for prize money. Well, what I did is simply took and designed a format based on what I didn't like about conventional events. Just think about this. When you fish, your family's not involved. They don't get to sit in the bleachers and watch you. They can't stand on the shoreline and watch you. There are some rare occasions. So everybody's in the dark about how you're doing, and not only that, but you as a competitor are in the dark. You know, just take a look at the uh, game that we just watched, you know, Cowboys and and Green Bay. There's a lot of elements of that game that made that a pretty darn good game, even though the Cowboys did lose. But there was a race against the clock. I mean, they fished full quarters. Everybody was watching. They watched their ups and downs, and they could feel the momentum, uh, and then they could feel that momentum shift. Well, that's what I did. That's what I wanted to create with the Major League Fishing. And when I came up with a format, I was trying to um, deliver with that format. <clears throat> and then the other part of the element, the other element of the format that I thought was uh, very, very critical is the fact that earlier I said I wanted to increase viewership. I want more people to get involved in fishing and to understand it, even though they don't participate in it. But at least, you know, check it out and and gain a little bit of knowledge. So what I tried to do with the format is put a viewer that may be a top-level competitor or somebody that's never fished before and make them feel like they're riding in the boat with that angler, observing them compete on a body of water where they've had no information, no research, no practice, and you're watching a guy like Kevin Van Dam or any of the other great anglers that we have in this group basically break it down based on time of your type of main species of fish, and most important is they're trying to do it all against the clock, because we fished three two-and-a-half-hour periods with a 30-minute break in between, and the reason why I incorporated the breaks is to allow the angler to kind of regroup, get his head together. If he's got to pull a rod out and respool a line or maybe dig back in a tackle box and pull out a different bait because he's kind of, maybe he's fallen behind a little bit. So that 30 minute window in there is very, very important. and Plus it gives us an opportunity to kind of swap batteries out and work with our equipment. So these guys are faced with trying to figure out the fish quicker than the rest of the competitors, running against a real time leaderboard, understanding exactly where you stand at all times. It's not like conventional events when You know, um, say, John, I happen to run into you at 1 o'clock in the afternoon. I say, hey, John, man, what do you got? And you go, well, Harry, i got 15 pounds. You know, I think I've got 18. That's the only feel that I have. You may be upsizing your fish, and you got 11. Well, with the real-time leaderboard, everybody knows where you stand all the time. And what's really amazing about it is to actually watch the ups and downs. It's like the Cowboys, you know, it's first quarter, and they're – only got three points. You know, Green Bay pretty much dominated, you know, it's 14 to 3. And it's just like um, yesterday I watched the uh, third qualifying round of the Summit Select that we're airing right now uh, that was filmed in on Lake of the Ozarks in Missouri. And, I mean, literally, at the end of the first period, Russ Lane hadn't caught squat. And, you know, one of the other competitors is just blowing it out. I mean, he's got like 25 pounds. And then all of a sudden, Russ catches a fish, puts him on a little deal, and the next thing you know, he's in the top three. So it's just amazing to watch this stuff kind of come and go. So I've been very, very fascinated by it. But it's been a fun ride. Um, I think I told you earlier on the show that uh, my vision is grander than what we where we are today. That's one of the exciting things that we just announced Monday is we're... Are going to air a full competition on network television on CBS Sports, and it starts June Saturday, June twenty fourth, uh, two o'clock in the afternoon, and we're going to air through July. So that will be the first time in the history of the sport that there's ever been a full competition aired strictly on network television.
11: Now so that'll that, be pretty cool. We're trying
4: to
2: take it. That's that's that, I I can't wait to watch this. I mean, we we got it on one of our uh, uh, schedules here that, you know, our last tournament for the year is uh, June, something or other, and then Major League Fishing pops up uh, at the end of the schedule, and I don't know what the date was. Do you have the locations in in the west out here, and there's one in California?
4: Uh, No, I do not.
1: Hey, uh, Gary, though, tell us, you know, Major League Fishing has been so popular with the pros, Uh, both Shaw Grigsby and uh, Dean Rojas, they commented that they love the format, and they said that the live leaderboard format was absolutely one of the most exciting things they've done. But now that you're going to network television, how are you going to take and choose from this pool of, of fantastic pro anglers that you have and... Funnel them into this format.
4: <laughs> well, what we are doing, it's the it's the uh, General Tire World Championship presented by Bass Pro Shops, Major League Fishing. We're taking our top 12 points anglers, the top 12 anglers that are in the points, at the end of the Challenge Cup, uh, which it has not been aired yet, uh, which will be in the end of May, when we know the results those 12 anglers will be announced and it will be those 12 anglers that will be invited to the world championship and the little tweak that we did in the format uh different it's 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 a little different but this is the way the format's going to go for the world championship i have 12 anglers <laughs> they're going to be put into two groups group a group b <clears throat> one group is going to compete on monday Group B is going to compete on Tuesday. Then Group A is going to compete back on Wednesday. Group B is going to compete back on Thursday. So all 12 anglers are going to compete for two days in their group. The top three in total weight for two days of competition are going to advance the sudden death round.
8: Mm.
4: On the fifth day, those six anglers are going to compete in a one-day sudden death three, two-and-a-half-hour periods, the top four anglers are going to advance to the uh, world championship. Wow. And wow. then on the on the final day, there will be four anglers that are going to compete for uh, the full three, two-and-a-half-hour periods.
1: Now, Gary, you're saying, uh, you know, you're giving this whole thing a week, but when it gets on network television, it will probably be spread out over six weeks, will it not?
4: Well, yes, it will be spread out over six weeks. Each each day of competition will be aired as a program.
1: Okay, because I was really wondering. You know, the tournament circuits have a hard enough time trying to schedule around FLW, uh, Bass, all the opens that are around the country. So exactly, uh, you uh, you know, you're trying to run six weeks uh, mm-hmm. over this tournament, so you get everybody there for a week, and you run this thing out, and then. We get to see it over a six-week format on network television. I think that is really exciting. Uh, you know, the only bad thing is, boy, these guys have a hard enough time keeping their mouths shut on what they did for major league fishing, you know, in the regular format. I don't know how they're going to be able to do it when it comes to the network version. Yeah, how are they going to keep it a secret? <laughs>
4: <laughs> hey, you know, I that that's one thing I will say. I have been very, very impressed with everybody that has been involved in Matrix Fishing because we actually compete in advance before we air. Sure. So, you know, the the, the competitors, boom, uh, you know, we, we know. But it's amazing. Over the years, we have not had any issues at all. That's one of the cool things about this program. But it's the only way we can make it work. Um you know to be able to do it the way we're we're doing it, but I'm proud of the guys.
1: Now, Gary, will the uh, uh, the fishermen that you choose will they know enough ahead of time that if they've got time to be able to fish this lake? Are are you going to try and put them on no. a body of water that you think is is one that no. no one's fished, or or how are you going to choose the body of water? And no, are... the
4: no the championship will be set up just like all of our competitions. The anglers have no idea. Where they're going to compete? Okay, they have no idea where they're going to compete.
1: Oh, Gary, you got to yeah, come on it, out. It, 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 and,
4: and, and they're restricted. They cannot. In other words, two days before we're supposed to be there, uh, we're sent um, uh, confirmation on our check-in place.
1: Yes. Our
4: host hotel. Yes. From the time we received that information, we are not allowed to do any research. You can't pick up an iPad, you can't Google, you can't look at a road map. Oh, man, look at all the lakes around in the area. You're not allowed to do that. Because what we tried to do, what we have done from the very beginning with Major League Fishing, is during the course of the week of competition, as you advance from qualifying to sudden death to the championship round, no one angler has ever or will ever compete on the same body of water or in the same zone multiple days. So once you finish one day of competition, you will never be back to compete on that same body of water. So every day you have to go out and reestablish.
2: Oh, get, get this us. is way cool. i got to tell you, it's kind of like the old flyaway that we used to have. You know, the guys didn't know where they were going to go. They were told when they got on the airplane, you get to bring so much tackle and that's all. And you went to a spot, and you just fished. This is that that is a just a it's just a great format. I love this.
4: Well, it's a challenge, And, and you know, there again, the viewer gets to observe. In my opinion, the purest form of competition, because it's like I stated earlier, one of the things that has really changed in the competitive arena of bass fishing is the information highway. Yeah. And now I feel, and, and, you know, again, I'm not, you know, just the way it is, got to suck it up and deal with it or, you know, pack your bags and go home. I won't do that, so i got to learn how to deal with it. I feel that when I show up for a, an event that's been off limits for 28 days, when I put my boat in the water, I personally feel I'm a day and a half behind X amount of guys because they've already got, all the waypoints, they've got all the information, they know the deal. Uh, That's just that information highway. I'm not compete one-on-one anymore. It's like me against that individual's, um, you know, network, you know, the people that he's, um, um, but but anyhow, you, you know what I'm saying, I'm not complaining. It's just something that I'm having to learn how to deal with.
1: Oh, Gary, when it comes down to the call list for the lakes that uh, you want to come to, please consider—you know, Havasu, Clear Lake, even the Columbia River out here, man. Those, and you—you talk about Clear Lake. I don't think there's a fisherman that would be fishing uh, 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 that—that—that. competition that wouldn't give their firstborn to give a chance to go fish clear like like that.
4: Yeah. Would that not be awesome to have that format up there? And, uh, you know, all, all that stuff is in the works. Um, you know, we have so many good bodies of water across the country, and you know, some of the stuff we fished this year was just absolutely phenomenal. Uh, you know, I'm not at liberty to say, but in one of the competitions that we have not aired yet, I mean, we broke all the records. It was just It was over the top. So, um, yeah, we have a lot of really uh, 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 cool places to fish in this country.
1: All right. Well, hey, uh, keep Stan Wendy, and I in mind for color commentary. We'd be happy to come in and join you, Gary. Hey, Gary, just quickly, who are some of the sponsors that are making uh, Major League Fishing possible?
4: Oh, without a doubt. Uh, You know, General Tires is a sponsor of our world uh, champion jack meat jerky. Uh, you know Bass Pro Shop, Nitro Boats, Bass Cat Boats, uh, Phoenix Boats. I mean, the list goes on and on and on. Sprinchers, uh <laughs> I have to look at my jersey, but we have you know, mostly <laughs> motor guide. I mean, we have such good support from the fishing industry, but we also have really good support uh, outside of the fishing industry. Uh, you know, Repel insect repellents uh, is a big supporter of um, a major league fishing blackfish five uh another uh new company supporter. so it's just constantly coming to us it's growing but yet we're pushing we're trying to make this product um, bigger in so that we can deliver it to a greater a greater audience is what i'm trying to say
1: all right well gary we're going to be following you and major league fishing throughout the year and Look forward to seeing it on CBS and Network, man, uh, the sign of the big time. So congrats, awesome. Congratulations on the hard work that you put in to get there.
4: Well, thank you. I really appreciate that. And, again, it's fishing. I just enjoy to go fishing like everybody else.
1: Well, appreciate it. You've
2: done a great job of it, Gary, and you're a great uh, ambassador for our sport. You well,
1: thank it. you. All right. That's Gary Klein calling us from Texas. Hey, Guys, we've got to take a break right now. Stan, Wendy, and I will be back with Captain Frank Ersetti from H&M Landing after these messages.
12: Amber Marine has been servicing boats and outboard motors for more than 30 years in the Newport Harbor area. They're a factory authorized dealer for Tohatsu and Nissan outboards and also provide factory authorized repair and service for all types of marine outboards. Located near the corner of 17th and Placentia Avenue, Amber Marine is at 786 Newton Way in Costa Mesa. Affordable boating and repair since 1982. 949-646-6918 and on the web at ambermarine.net. Anglers Arsenal is the serious angler's
13: first choice for hand poured plastics. McCoy Line, Spro Products, Gamakatsu Hooks, G Lumas Fishing Rods, Shimano Products, Avet Reels, and just about anything you hear advertised on Rod and Reel Radio. Go to anglersarsenal.com and visit our online tackle store. See the huge selection of Western Plastics hand poured baits, all at anglersarsenal.com. Anglers Arsenal Tackle Store is conveniently located in La Mesa, just off Interstate 8. Give us a call at 1 800 428 8730.
5: tuna hooks ring the hooks tuna doubles and many more don't waste your next fishing trip on a cheap hook get gamakatsu hooks at your favorite tackle store now
6: if the fish are biting i'm on my boat rain or shine of course i wear my life jacket it's like wearing a seatbelt. clip it on grab my tackle box and hit the water
7: love california boat california save california a message from california state parks division of boating and waterways
6: This
1: portion of Rod and Reel Radio is brought to you by the Rocklease Fish Release System. Now you can quickly and easily release fish suffering from barotrauma back to the depths they were caught. Look or ask for the Rocklease at your local fishing tackle dealer. Stan, Wendy, and I, we want to welcome everyone back to uh, Rod and Reel Radio. Hey, you know, it is... um, uh, a great pleasure to have on our next guest he is uh, owner operator of uh, the ranger 85 he's also the managing partner over at h&m landing i used to kid him around that he had a, a face that was uh, just meant for radio but now this last week i found out he was on cbs news he's doing television right now let's get him on with us to find out what that was all about captain frank ursetti captain frank welcome to the show
11: Thanks for having me on, John. Good evening, Sam. Wendy, how
1: are you? Well, oh, okay. hey, good. My
11: friend, long time OC. <laughs> right, it's been what, at least a couple of days. Us, Dan, I think two. <laughs>
1: hey, hey, Captain Frank, you made an appearance on CBS News here a couple of weeks. And, uh, you know, we think that this time of the year, everything's really slowing down at the, the landings. There isn't much happening, but. You came aboard on the news, and, man, you uh, you hit it out of the park. First of all, tell us what that was all about, that uh, you made uh, the television news.
11: Was that that news segment, or was that last edition of Dancing with the Stars, John? <laughs>
3: <laughs> <laughs>
11: uh, I'd like let, to yeah. it. <laughs> Let's go yeah, for no, the... They, they, uh, they asked me off on that last episode, so it must be just the news piece you're talking yep. about. So we, uh, You know, we experienced like a lot of Southern Californians have this year. Um, last weekend on uh, on the producer, on uh, on a routine three-hour tour, they ended up uh, on a whale watch trip. They ended up coming upon a, a big pod of, of orcas that stuck with the boat for almost the entire trip. It was just one of those surreal... Uh, incredible encounters with you know wildlife uh, extraordinary wildlife i should say that we have here off the coast of san diego they they really put on a good show for all those who are on board so it was a real exciting trip on on just a routine whale watch trip it was great that's well, excellent
1: well frank you know we've been having weather like the pacific northwest i guess it uh, it stands the reason that we should be having some of the wildlife down here but how rare is it to find orcas here off our Southern California coast?
11: Well, it's certainly not, it's It's certainly not on every single trip. However, um, without going into too much detail, there are a couple different types of orcas, a few actually, but the ones that we see this time of year are called transient orcas, and those guys make a living off of following migratory species. And this year, or this time of year, We're smack dab in the middle of the southbound gray whale migration. These whales come real close on that southbound leg of their migration to Point Loma, and so we offer whale wash trips this time of year to observe that. So if you're going to have a quote-unquote chance encounter, this is a great time of year to roll the dice and try and come out and see it. We see them, I'd say, on average uh, maybe half a dozen times throughout the course of the season and the season runs january into april for us
1: well you know we had uh, captain clay williams with us on the uh, old glory out of h&m landing and he was telling us that yeah he loves going down to colinette and fishing for yellowtail and rockfish but one of the most uh, rewarding things that he does is during the week he's taken environmental trips uh, out to uh, watch not only whales but all the, the the porpoise and everything that are off our coast right now, and taking the kids out there, that's uh, every bit as much exciting as going fishing.
11: Absolutely, and and some of our guys have very diverse businesses on the water, not just sport fishing. A guy like Clegg, who has the open party one-day run here at H&M Landing during uh, during the winter, he'll supplement that run with with, uh, natural history trips to the Coronado Islands, a sea party tour, if you will. Um, showcasing the wildlife in and around the Coronado Islands also, uh, floating classroom trips at times as well. So it really helps break the year up, so to speak. And and some of our guys down there who have spent a lifetime on the water are just a perfect fit for these types of opportunities.
1: You know, you guys are doing something right down there in the winter. I sent my sales guys uh, uh, down to Fisherman Landing and down to H&M Landing to to uh, you know, sell some products with the upcoming Bay Bass tournament, and my guy couldn't find a parking space in the parking lot. And this is this is in January, so it seems to be working pretty well for you, Captain Frank.
11: Wow, thanks, John. We work hard out say Well, watching and eco tours have become real popular, especially in the last couple of decades, um, especially with the resource that we have offshore this time of year. Gray whales, of course, the other day a chance encounter with orcas, which. Coincidentally, not trying to poke the bear, but the day that we had that tremendous encounter was actually the day they literally uh, sunset the, the orca shows, the captive orca shows at SeaWorld. So wow. it's another way for people to come out and see that same type of animal, but see it in the wild. So wow. it was uh, it, was a, it was an incredible, uh, and ironically incredible day.
1: Great karma. Hey, uh, uh yeah. Captain uh, Frank, let's uh, just go on to another subject over here for a little bit while we've got you, you know, because uh, uh, I want you to tell us about the fishing that's happening at h and Landing. But before we do that, here in the shop, we get a lot of fishermen that are coming in uh, can a little confused. They're saying, hey, you know, the Mexican government has come up with this biosphere program on uh, a lot of the islands uh, that are off the Baja coast, and, no one's really sure what the regulations are. Can you fish the islands? Can you go out there on the sports fishing boat? Can I go out as a private fisherman, go fish the Coronados? Uh, I, I don't know. Can you uh, kind of get us up to date with what you know that's happening out there? And and what was the whole reasoning behind uh, uh, this whole process that the Mexican government took on?
11: Absolutely. Mexico... Um, just like California, Southern California in particular, when years ago um, we created uh, marine reserves, so to speak, implemented Mexico implemented the Pacific Islands biosphere. We knew that it was coming, but like many things in Mexico, sometimes um, it takes a little bit longer to come to fruition, but the islands along the Baja Peninsula were included in the Pacific Islands biosphere. Now, right now to answer your first question, everything is still status quo. Uh, Mexico has signaled very strongly that over the next eight months, which is the period of time they feel it will take to implement any, if any I should say, special regulations within these biospheres, it'll take about eight months, maybe 10 months, but they've signaled very strongly that they want us at the table to help define and design, so to speak, what will be or what will come out as a result of these islands' inclusion. So I guess in a nutshell, there may or may not be set aside some no-take or closures. We don't know that yet. Um, There may be uh, a requirement, say, for a wristband, which would be a daily fee, use to go fish inside their biospheres. I want everyone to think of them as a national park just as we have here in the United States. And I think that we should applaud Mexico for um, taking a higher level of conservation towards their resources and and the fact that they've looked to us and signaled very strongly that they would like us to help them design what it actually will be.
1: Now, uh, are there... Defined areas that are going to be set up around the islands, like are they going to say that, hey, you can't fish within, you know, uh, so many uh, kilometers or so many thousand feet or anywhere where there's a, um, uh, let's say a point or or something like that that may come up uh, to a certain shallow depth? Uh, do we have any guidelines like that right now, Frank?
11: We don't, and, and again, they've signaled very strongly that it will take, quite some time. There are some rough guidelines that are out there, but nothing that is being enforced at this time and, again, it's something that they want to sit down in the coming months and help clearly define. There are some restrictions down, for instance, down, say, uh, Cedros and Benitos Way with vessel size restrictions, but, again, um, that's something that we're all going to sit down and try and talk about and, and, again, help define. Ken Frankie, the president of the Sport Fishing Association of California during his, what, well, has it been eight years now, I guess? Seven years at the, at the helm of SAC has done an incredible job of forging relationships with key entities in Mexico and key agencies in Mexico. He has probably the strongest relationship and representation for our industry than we've ever had and again they were working tirelessly going into the holidays right after this announcement and that doesn't typically happen south of the border I'll tell you they worked tirelessly right up through new year Christmas Eve actually um, putting some documents together Um, again Mexico clearly signaling to us that we want you at the table and we want you to help us define how these will be implemented, where and what you think we should do based upon your experience with marine reserves.
1: So right now, Frank, then uh, your suggestion if uh, fishermen are coming down looking to the fish out of San Diego landings and get on the three-quarter day boat or the, the, the day-and-a-half, two-and-a-half day trips that are going down to Colinet or anything like that, what should they bring with them with regards to documentation, and what are they going to need to make sure that they can fish down there without any fear of uh, having their gear confiscated or being boarded by, uh, um, you know, Mexican authorities or anything like that?
11: To clear up any, uh, any misconceptions, always bring your passport. Now, in some instances, the passport will be required and others will not. Right now, what we've been acting under for the last year and a half, anything within, tri- any trip within 12 miles of the coast of Mexico or any one of her islands must have a valid passport. Now, with that passport, we will issue you an FMM or a tourist visa. But the only acceptable form of identification to get that visa is a valid passport in the old days the old days a couple of years ago and before it used to be a regular government issued ID and and we'd fish the Coronados with just a, a driver's license we could issue we could issue permits and visas however Mexico has taken a hard line the last couple years and you must have a valid passport only on those trips fishing within 12 miles of the islands or the coast so any offshore trips we don't need that but if we're close to the beach close to an island we do need to have a passport
1: now frank how about uh, a lot of the uh, the fishermen don't have passports but they have what's called a passport card does that work okay
11: one and same and yes they will absolutely work in this instance a passport card
1: is absolutely permissible all right and uh and again, the visas—you don't have to worry about it because you guys have uh, made uh, uh, provisions that that's all available, and all that you guys do all the reporting uh, to the uh, the Mexican authorities. And if the skipper thinks that he's going to be fishing anywhere near any of the islands, he makes sure that everyone is prepared for that. And a lot of times, I guess I we have to tell the fishermen too: make sure you check with the landing. Uh, to make uh, sure that that's what's going to happen. but no matter what, even if you don't know where you're fishing, you should bring your passport with you if there's any chance of going uh, uh, and near any of the islands.
11: It's become a standard it's become a standard piece of equipment anymore. Uh, John and, and again, even our three quarter day anglers that fish the Malahini fishing the Coronados. again, that's a passport trip or a passport card trip. Um, any of the, the trips right now, currently we're fishing down at Callnet. Again, passport required because we're fishing within 12 miles of the coast. Uh, just become a standard part of operation here in the last year and a half and will likely be moving forward. But, again, anything offshore not required, but near shore, near the islands, any the islands down below,
2: even on long range, must have that valid passage. You
4: know, hey, for, the sp-
2: last, for the last couple of years on anything over three days, we've always had to have... Uh, uh, the passport with us on, on our trips it, because we know if we're going down there that's a good shot we're going to be inside 12 miles and sometimes right up, up against the islands if you're going down like Cedros or Benitas, especially or even further down so that was part of the trip. Now we kind of got a little reprieve because everybody kind of got a taste of what was going on ahead of time and we got lucky we had all that bluefin and everything move offshore and it was in U.S. water so it didn't really uh, take uh, it's told, but now the the general public is going to have to know if you're going to climb on a boat and you're going to go down out of San Diego, you're going to have to have your passport with you.
11: Right, that's right, Stan. And it's not it's not that big of a deal. It does take some time. This is a great time, winter time, yeah. when things are a little bit slower and everybody doesn't have so much going on. is a great time to go and apply for a passport. It takes a few weeks to get. You have it. It's good for ten years. You put it in your pocket just like you would your wallet, and you bring it down when you go fishing.
1: Bottom hey, line. hey, Captain Frank Ersetti, we've got to take a break right now. We've talked about the politics. Uh, we've talked about your appearance on television. Uh, can you stay over for another uh, few minutes and talk about the fishing?
11: Absolutely. I'd love to. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's Stan, Wendy, and I were talking with Kraft and Frank Cercetti from uh, H&M Landing, also owner-operator of the, uh, the Ranger 85. We've got to take a break right now. You're listening to Rod and Reel Radio on AM540 or at rodandreelradio.com. Stay tuned. There's still another hour of Rod and Reel Radio to come after these messages. Are you looking for a quality fishing experience out of Cabo San Lucas for you, your family and friends, but are a bit set back with just what company to go with? Rod and Reel Radio urges you to try American and family-owned Lands End Charters. Lands End Charters offer their clients affordable and all-inclusive services on a variety of vessels and trips fish with their brand name fishing gear while experiencing the hospitality of a family run business with over 50 years of experience go to landsendcharters.com to see all the current vessels and amenities available and call Cobble greg or jenny directly at 800-281-5778 when you're ready to get fishing
6: if the fish are biting i'm on my boat rain or shine of course i wear my life jacket It's like wearing a seatbelt. Clip it on, grab my tackle box, and hit the water.
7: Love California. Boat California. Save California. A message from California State Parks Division of Boating and Waterways.
8: adventures call today hdm 90 619-222-1144 or visit their website at www.hmlanding.com for updated schedules and secure online booking. HM Landing, the experienced angler's first choice in local and multi day fishing since 1935. That's HM Landing at 619 222 1144 or hmlanding.com. Quantum Fishing's
9: got something for everybody, from the smallest angler to the oldest veteran. We can get you out there fishing with the greatest reels on the market today. From the all-new for 2016 Icon PT to the Tour Mag to the brand-new redesigned Smoke Reel, we've got something for everyone in your family. Have some fun. Take it, kid fishing. They're the future of our sport. Quantum. We are performance-tuned. You can get your Quantum products at anglersarsenal.com or Mesa at 619-466-8355.
11: Rod and Real Radio is now available as a podcast you can subscribe to on iTunes, Stitcher, or your favorite podcasting app. Get notified as soon as new episodes are
13: available, or go back and listen to our past shows. Browse through all of our archive shows at RoddenreelRadio.com slash archives, and click the subscribe button to get started listening now.
14: Hi, this is BSS record holder Dean Rojas. El Cajon Ford helped me when I got started in my career, and let them help you with a new F-Series Ford truck. And remember, nobody beats El Cajon Ford.
1: Hey, Stan, Wendy, and I, we want to welcome you back to Ron Real Radio. Our guest this hour right now is Captain Frank Ursetti from H&M Landing. And and Captain Frank, I happen to mention that uh, uh, my salesman uh, tried to make a sales call down there at uh, uh, H&M Landing and uh, Fisherman's Landing. And uh, uh, the parking lot is full. Uh, normally... You don't expect to see that this time of the year. What's happening at the landings when it comes to fishing? Well,
11: I tell you what, John, we're we're having a really nice winter. We started off, obviously, with the closure of rockfish north of the border, but we are in prime position uh, to be able to target rockfish south of the border. During the week, we've got the premier departing daily on extended half-day trips at 8 a.m., those trips have been absolutely bang, and the guys have been doing really, really good. Good quality reds, a uh, little bit of ling cod in the mix. Just really good all around deep water rock fishing during the week. The Malahini departing daily, same same, five thirty a.m. Target species: deep water rockfish. It's been very, very good fishing. Um, of course, our weekend trips. Captain Clay on the Old Glory has been fishing collinette on day-and-a-half trips with a mix of yellowtail and rockfish. Guys had a little bit of a slower weekend um, this weekend because we were just coming off the backside of some weather. I know yesterday the guys still had a little bit of chop, although as the day went on, things started to settle down, but I think they needed just a little bit more time for that fish to go back on the bike because they sort of scratched away at it. Um, and, of course, the Chiefs have been fishing weekends, two-day trips down there at Colonnette as well, targeting yellows and rockfish. So we're staying busy at H&M. It's been decent fishing here to start the year off.
1: You kept know, Frank, uh, a yellowtail down at Colonnette, do you think, is that unusual for this time of the year? I mean, uh, uh, when the weather was good just, uh, you know, 10 days or so ago, those uh, boats were coming down there, and they had... Uh, numbers of yellowtail from the 70 to over 100 per boat for their trip. Is that typical, or is this maybe an indication of things changing?
11: You know, it's hard to say, um, John. Colonnette can be a real tricky zone to fish. Um, sometimes not always built to last. You'll get a flash for a few weeks, and that fish will go MIA, but you'll be able to scratch away at it in various, with various uh, success, I should say, um, throughout the winter. But these are deeper water fish. Uh, the last couple of weeks, the guys were catching that fish off in um, 35 to 50 fathom. So they're fishing that, you know, Jellio-style fishing, dropper-leaf fishing, but it's deeper water, yellowtail. There's been a little bit of that fish up high as well, but as the weather came on, I know that fish was deeper.
2: So uh, well, wow, fish not down. unusual at this time. I'm sorry? I was going to say, a lot of that fish down in Colinette, when you're fishing that deep, deep water rockfish, you could be fishing for lens and come up with yellowtail. So it, that's right. kind of the way that that fishery down there operates. Sometimes when the yellowtail are, are thick, it's not a problem. There. You just go down there and, and uh, you really target them. But at, at any point in time, like you're saying, the guys that are down there, they're catching that, that rockfish that's down there. And then the next thing you know, you'll be catching yellowtail too deep.
11: Yeah, it's it's fun fishing for sure. I mean, it's a it's the same style of fishing a guy could expect north of the border, with the added bonus of some game fish. So it, it's a pretty it's a pretty incredible and unique fishery that we have here for our winners.
1: You know, Captain Williams was also uh, he he was exemplifying how these guys go above and beyond the call of duty to try to get you on fish. He uh, he had a day and a half trip on the uh, uh, Old Glory. And he said he, he got to Colonnette. It looked like you needed parking meters there in order to find a spot. So he pushed uh, farther on down and was fishing between Colonnette and San Martin. And I've got to tell you, on a day-and-a-half trip, that's a press. But the guy still got in a full day of fishing, which means he really, um, you know, sped it going on down there. Captain Clay
11: fishes so hard. Um, I couldn't be more happy to have Clay Williams, owner-operator of the Old Glory here at H&M. The guy is just super savvy. He fishes hard, and you're absolutely right. As they rolled on to uh, Collinet, this was last weekend, it was just like a parking lot, and Clay's just not that kind of guy. He's always on the edge. He's always outside the pack, and he ended up fishing down and inside on the beach. They scratched away. Um, but it was it was just like that. It was super, super crowded when he was down last weekend. So um, he still managed a very, very good trip. But, again, Clay's just super aggressive, very instinctual, and a great, great
10: fisherman.
1: You know, uh, uh, Captain Frank, uh, the past two seasons, uh, we've had also boats going out to the banks, uh, the Tanner Bank, Cortez Bank. There's been signs of bluefin out there for the past couple of years. Uh, have you heard of anyone going out there at all or anything happening, or has the weather just been uh, you know, so bad that uh, no one's ventured to make it on out there?
11: The weather's really preempted any effort that direction um, the last few weeks. There's some rumor of maybe some fish up on the 43 this last week, but again, it's a little bit of a a challenge when um, there's been a little bit of persane pressure um, or same pressure with the, with the squid fleet out there and you know how that goes when you get a bunch of chain and mesh rattling on in the water it makes things get a little spooky. But I believe there's still some bluefin around there's even some word that there was some bluefin down on the offshore banks um, just below the border with an easy one day range some guys transiting sawfish. Now I don't want to say guys caught it but guys have seen some fish around i believe that fish is still very much so around so we'll just wait and see how things progress if we can get out of this storm cycle they've had quite a bit of wind further offshore that's definitely preempted any any effort out that direction plus with a little bit of yelltail, last couple of weeks they were biting down uh, off Colinette, that's been the target for success or the I should say the destination for success, but guys might start nosing around a little bit here in the coming weeks.
2: Well, I think before the Fred Hall show, there's definitely be guys going to be running some exploratory. Um, that just happens this time of year. You know, everybody wants to catch the first Albacore or the first tuna or whatever out there first year, first part of the year. So, I like to see something happening here in the in the pretty near future. When if we get a little bit of uh, a break in the storm action, who knows what we're going to find. Water's cooled off quite a bit, hasn't it? Yeah, it has. And you know, Stan, that's a
11: really good point you bring up. You know that today is, I believe, a historic date. Um, I think this is the first. What is today? The fifteenth. The first uh, mid-January. This is horrible to say. Um, in the last three years, that somebody hasn't caught a tuna yet, right? Oh. Yep. I think the last. I think the last three years by. January 15th, someone has made a catch or has caught tuna, which obviously we all know is is uncharacteristic period, but this is the first in, I think, three seasons where um, where we haven't had a tuna caught, and it's it's January 15th, so things could be getting a bit back more to normal.
2: For well, many. I would think, you know, with the, we've had a little colder water push up against the bank here, especially northern California. has got a really colder push that came in, which is going to affect us down here, which We're all, everybody, we're all hoping that we see an albacore this year. That would be a really nice thing to see if uh, we get a little current change and and a push. So I expect to see some of the guys when they get the chance to go out there and do that look, which is pretty normal for the normal fishing years. What's normal anymore? I don't even, I don't know that that's that's the right word, but in the days of yore, that's how it worked. Right,
11: exactly, exactly, and I think, um, yeah, we've seen a little bit more of a stronger start to the winter. There's been more systems up in the Pacific Northwest, and if there's ever going to be a shift, this is the first it's the first year in, in quite a few that we've seen some of those systems up there, and, and, and does that bode well for albacore? It's hard to say, but we definitely need uh, more moderate temperatures and certainly a shift in some of that biomass to get that fish uh, tucking back into the coast down here, more southern latitude. So I, I, I've, I've got my fingers crossed, and I've got my Optimus hat on, and I tell you what, I'm, I'm certainly, certainly thinking that we're going to have a shot at that fish. I don't know if it's going to be a huge mass of it this year, but I think we will see some albacore this year on some level. Well, Well,
2: we we always get a touch, you know, that stuff likes to run with the bluefin, and every once in a while somebody would be fishing that bluefin this year and they'd catch one or two. It wasn't like, you know, "Eh, we got a lot of them, but they're they're still making themselves known. If we get colder water, I think, you know, it'll push the bluefin down and around. They don't mind cold water. They follow food. I mean, that's really all they're looking for is where's the food. Uh, and all Absolutely. of that fish does, but you get that colder water influence. It pushes maybe the anchovies into a different area or an arena, and then, you know, who knows where this is going to go. But but I know that everybody in the industry would love to see that happen again, where we got albacore, because there's a lot of people. Now it's gone another, what, 10 years that we haven't seen them around. There's a lot of new fishermen out there and never caught that fish.
11: Absolutely. No, we've got a, we literally have – a generation of anglers out there fishing right now, that a generation and a half almost of fishermen that have not had to fish in an anchovy offshore. Right, everyone's used to fishing the sardine. That's what we've had for the last ten plus years, by and large, ninety-five percent of the time. So there'll be a little bit of a learning curve fishing the anchovy, but I'm pretty excited <laughs> about it. I'm I'm holding fast that we're gonna we're gonna see. I don't want to say a significant amount, but not just one here, one there. I think we're going to have a little shot this year.
2: Well, it okay. would be fun because a lot of people don't know the excitement of Albuquerque fishing. That's right, and they'll uh, uh, need new gear
11: because they're
3: they're so used to
2: fishing the heavy gear for the blue. Yep. Yeah. It's it's gonna, right. The rod companies going to have to go back to the old days. Make a one ninety six seven.
1: We've got them, uh, Stan. Uh, Frank, if if there's a uh, a biomass of fish like albacore coming in, what's, what's going to be the first indicator? Will the, uh, the long-range uh, boats uh, coming on back, will they spot them coming up from the south? Will those fish, historically, do they come in directly from the west? And we've got to go out on exploratory trips and find out where they are. Uh, what, what will be some of the first indications on if there's going to be uh, any type of biomass of fish uh, moving into our uh, waters?
11: Well, yeah, obviously guys coming back from longer trips, um, swinging wide or, or fishing a little bit further offshore, yes. The first indicator, though, is going to be we have to have that forage. We have to have that, that biomass of bait, so to speak. If, if we don't have it, if we don't start seeing that bait offshore, um, there's no reason, like Stan said earlier, there's no reason for that fish to come in. All of these fish, I don't care whether they're bluefin, yellowfin, albacore, they're all opportunistic pelagic species. So they're opportunistic feeders, and they're going to follow that biomass of feed. So that's that's definitely going to be the first sign. And and typically w- when we see more forage, more fin, fin bait, is those years that we have one rain, so we have a little bit of runoff, also the, the bigger storms, which cause massive upwelling. That upwelling is kind of like fertilizing the lawn, so to speak. So you have massive plankton blooms, which is food or feed for that smaller fin bait, like anchovy and sardine. The cooler water, we like to see it with that with that anchovy. So that we have to see that bait in the spring, or, you know, I, I, I don't have a whole lot of hope for it, but I'm feeling pretty
2: confident. All well, right. Well, well, just have to see in this last couple of years, there's been such a push of red crab uh, that went all the way up to Santa Barbara. I mean, we've had just volumes and massive amounts of that um, that the, the boats that some of them would run over it, and you'd see it for half a mile at a time, just huge amounts of it. And the fish were gorging themselves on that stuff. So you know, now that's been kind of pushed down, but it's still, there's still a lot of it. Even the guys down south are saying they're they're bringing up fish that are plugged with that red crab still. But at least it's moved south, and it's not in the arena here. Well, it'll be an interesting year. It's always fun to watch and see how our years develop and how the fishing turns and changes.
1: Well, guys, I tell you, Captain Frank, you're getting this radio thing down pretty good. even. Even though you are a star of television and everything like that, well, why, don't we, why don't we get together and uh, uh, have you on on a regular basis and let us know what's happening at the fishing landings and give us a report, good, bad, or indifferent, and we'll keep track from week to week on what's happening with the movement of fish in our Southern California waters. Yeah, You think that's something we can arrange? Absolutely, I'd be
11: honored to be on the show every week. You almost sound like the producers of Dancing with the Stars trying to get me to sign that contract.
10: <laughs> so are you going to are you going to start dancing? <laughs> no, they threw me off the show last week. Oh no! Well, you
1: know, oh, Frank, no. there was a problem. All the female dancers—they just got into a big cat fight on who was going to be partnered with you. It completely disrupted Tom Bergeron's uh, whole routine, and obviously, something had to go, and it was you.
11: I, was, I thought I was doing pretty good on my extra tufts, but they nixed it. So, anyway.
1: <laughs> hey, Captain Frank Ercetti from H&M Landing. Captain Frank, That's a lot for the report on the biospheres and, and all those other things. We look forward to talking to you next week and find out, hey, if we have good weather, is the fishing still the same? Is it improving? We'll get the straight skinny from you. Thanks a lot for being with us tonight, Captain Frank.
11: You got it. Thanks for having me on the show.
1: All right.
2: Yeah, Frank. <laughs> Talk to you soon, amigo. Take All care. Bye,
1: Wendy. Hey, and as we Man. say on the commercials, you want to find out what's happening on the boats, you can go to HMLanding.com or call 619-222-1144. Make your reservations at H&M Landing. And, hey, don't forget, daily you've got uh, a half-day boats going out of uh, H&M Landing over there so that If you don't have the time for a day and a half or a three-quarter day or whatever it is, there's still great fishing on the half-day boats. Hey, we're going to take a break right now. Coming up next from the San Diego Anglers, Dwayne Pottenau is going to be on with us. He's going to talk uh, with us about the 2017 San Diego Open Bay Bass Tournament. So stay tuned. There's still a lot more Rod and Reel Radio to come.
12: Amber Marine has been servicing boats and outboard motors for more than 30 years in the Newport Harbor area. They're a factory authorized dealer for Tohatsu and Nissan outboards and also provide factory authorized repair and service for all types of marine outboards. Located near the corner of 17th and Placentia Avenue, Amber Marine is at 786 Newton Way in Costa Mesa. Affordable boating and repair since 1982. 949-646-6918 and on the web at ambermarine.net.
6: If the fish are biting, I'm on my boat, rain or shine. Of course, I wear my life jacket. It's like wearing a seatbelt. Clip it on, grab my tackle box, and hit the water.
7: Love California. Boat California. Save California. A message from California State Parks Division of Boating and Waterways.
9: Once again, the phone number is 619-793-5419 or their website of cedrosoutdooradventures.com.
6: If the fish are biting, I'm on my boat, rain or shine. Of course, I wear my life jacket. It's like wearing a seatbelt. Clip it on, grab my tackle box, and hit the water.
7: Love California. Boat California. Save California. A message from California State Parks Division of Boating and Waterways. Hey,
1: Sandy and Wendy and I, we want to welcome you back to Ron Real Radio. Hey, it's January. The holidays are behind us. You know, and you think, well, you know, fishing's just dying down. The fishing here is the open bay bass tournament and how it's uh, the format that the guys have to fish by, where they can fish what they can fish for. Uh, we need all the details, Dwayne.
14: Okay. Well, we have two. We got two separate tournaments going on at the same time. We have a kayak tournament, and we also have the open division there, uh, which is the team tournament there. Um, they're not. Com- they are not competing for the same prize money as two separate tournaments there. But um, anyway, the, the rules are basically the same. Um, each vessel uh, goes out and catches. Um, the best three bass that they can, and and you can catch either sand bass, calico bass, or spotted bay bass, and any combination there. Uh, just come out, just go out and catch the three biggest fish. Uh, we release everybody about six fifteen, six thirty in the morning, whenever it's safe light, and we start weighing everybody about twelve thirty in the afternoon, and we shut it down at two o'clock. The kayakers are are competing for. Um, a uh, five hundred dollar first place prize, and the open division is competing for a fifteen hundred dollar first place prize, and um, and there's also jackpots that go along with it, and also um, a jackpot for an optional jackpot for the largest halibut of the event.
1: Wow, you know now, hey, I know there's a category for kayak fishermen, which is great, but. You know, we don't want the kayak fishermen to think that they are the red-haired, freckle-faced kids of the group because (laughs) last year you had – was it last year or two years ago? Man, they go by too quick. You had a kayak fisherman that said, oh, the heck with those boaters. I'm getting into the boating division. (laughs) And what happened? Yeah,
14: yeah, well, what what happened was uh, he's a club member, and he called me in desperation on Friday night and said, I got a a leak in my fuel tank. I can't – I can't use my boat. Uh, I said, okay. If I use the kayak, well, he had already signed up for the open division. I said, whatever you want to do, Tony. So um, he paddled his kayak out in front of Shelter Island, and City he paddled around and ended up winning the tournament.
2: <laughs> the, the, I love that story. <laughs>
14: <laughs> yes, uh, yeah, yeah. That was a uh, cool. there was it, it. was quite surprising to hear that there. And then when we had we have a tournament of champions too. We, we a top 25 tournament. We invite the top 25 teams back, and um, and uh, he thought he could repeat it. He bought, he put the kayak in the water, and he never got a bite. <laughs> he never got a bite uh, two months later for the, the top 25 tournament. So you,
1: know, you never know. You know, and, and just to tell you what a fun tournament this is, because obviously <clears throat> there are a lot of fishermen that, uh, you know, fish this, and some of them belong to the fishing clubs and, some of them fish the bay all the time, but last year's one uh, uh, of the uh, Israel brothers, uh, they didn't even go out and pre-fish at all, and they wound up winning the tournament, and they had a tremendous weight. So it's not only a fun tournament, but if you can get your boat in the water, you can be competitive.
14: That's exactly right. Uh, it's, uh, it's, uh, it's a three-fish uh, limit, so... Um Uh, All it takes is one good kicker fish to get you up in the top weights there. Um, uh, Some people say, oh, it's turning into a professional tournament. Well, I have to disagree because we have, it seems like we have different winners all the time. I remember that when the Israel brothers first started fishing the tournament, they they were down, I don't know, in the 30th place, and they just kept working their way up uh, in the standings, progressively getting better and better and better, and they cracked the top ten, and what do you know? They won the tournament there.
2: Well, you know, the guys, they have to take into consideration, this is fishing, fish move, and and as they're moving, they feed, and if you're lucky, you're in the right spot, and you catch the better fish, and, and you can win. And if you're a tournament fisherman, Every tournament fisherman knows that nobody wins all the time, and and just like you're saying, you know, one one year it's two guys that have been fishing for a long, long time, and finally they win. The next year some kind of kayak. Oh, my big boat broke, so I'm going to take this out, and I'll be damned if he didn't win alone in a kayak. So, yes, at any yeah. point in time, anybody can make the cast to win. That's the one fun thing about that our sport, and especially you got tide movement and bait movement. And and you can't just say, I'm, I've got the spot, because fish are going to move, and, and as soon as you think you know where they're at, they, they move and they're not there, and then you got to go, what do we do next? That's the best yeah. part of the sport. And it really is open to everybody. And if you think that only the best guys win, well, you know the best guys are the best guys because they're pretty pretty good at what they do, but they still don't win all the time.
14: <laughs> no, they don't, and, and you know, and we allow, we allow we allow live bait in this tournament here. Sometimes it's bait fishermen that win it. Last year the Israel brothers, I think they used a combination of um, uh, deep diving crankbaits off in jetty, along with some plastics, and and um and they just made it happen there. Some, like I said, sometimes they're, they're, the bait guys win it. Sometimes the plastic guys win it. Um, last year it was crankbaits. So we used to have a guy. He passed away since, but he used to carve his own um, plugs. He was a dental technician, and he would carve his own uh, wooden bulk of plugs and tune them up and uh, troll them on lead core line on the edge of the channel. And um, and that gentleman, and I wish I could remember his name, he won it a couple times if I remember this. Yes. You know,
3: hey, Dwayne, you do you still know, have you know, a lot of openings
14: for the um, Yes, we do. Um, yes, people are a little bit afraid of the weather. Uh, I took a couple more openings today. Um uh, fishermen shouldn't be afraid of the rain.
4: <laughs> <Fitch around laughs> they the don't care
14: exactly
2: correct.
4: Yeah, we
14: don't care if the water's below us. Why should we care if the water's above us? You
1: know, you know t- I, was go on, about,
3: um, I was just thinking about a lot of guys are intimidated to go out there and go fish fish the tournament. But for those those of you that are listening and you're thinking about fishing or you want to fish it, find someone to fish with. It's a fun event. Uh, the camaraderie is great. And uh, the food and the atmosphere is wonderful. And it's a great way to get started in fishing tournaments by fishing one of these events.
14: Yes, it is. Yes, it is. Uh, And we still have some spots. So um, if somebody wants to get a hold of me after I get off the radio here, um, you can go to our website, com, and click on the tournament tab at the top of the page and just follow the instructions and my contact
2: information as well. So, you, you just let everybody know you have to stay inside the breakwater, inside the uh, the, the uh, arena. There, you can't go outside and kelp fish and come back in. And, and but you can use bait, and you can do kind of ca- go through a, the the wherewithal of what the yeah. people can expect to
14: go and do. The basic outside boundaries are just past Ballast Point, if you're familiar with San Diego Bay, and. Um, if it's a set of buoys, uh, buoys nine and ten, you draw an imaginary line between those buoys, and you can't go past that. And anything inside the bay is fair game as long as uh, the, as long as the Navy doesn't have it uh, closed down with big old signs uh, threatening the shishi if you come on in. But um, <laughs> but anyway, it's, it's anywhere from the back bay below Coronado Bridge all the way up to um, Ballast Point there, which is that's a lot of water.
1: Now, Dwayne, in past years, when all was said and done at the end of the Bay Bass Tournament, that really wasn't the end because every year after that, you would take the highest place finishers and they'd go on a fish-off. Uh, do you plan to do that again this year?
14: Yes. Um, uh, yes, we haven't figured the date out, but generally that's sometime in April. That's exactly right. That's sometime in April there. All right. And we put, the, we put the same amount of money up. We put $1,500 up and... Um, and we let those guys go for it. We let them fish for a little bit longer. There's a lot less competition out on the water. There's only 25 teams, and um, and just because you win the, Bay, the 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 January tournament doesn't mean that you're going to win that big competition with the trophies uh, in April. There, uh, I don't know if we've ever had. I take that back. Dennis, Dennis Burleson and Ed Howerton won the Bay Bass tournament one year, and they won the uh, the top 25 tournament. Uh, later on they're the only
2: ones to win both of them and those guys are great fishermen but you don't see them win every year either
1: no
14: no no not at all there has been a few years where they didn't even weigh fish they um they fished hard and they're great fishermen but they didn't think the bag that they had was uh was gonna even in the top 25 so they didn't even weigh it so it's anybody's tournament
1: well, the twenty-second annual San Diego Anglers uh, Open Bay Bass Tournament. Uh, if you want to fish this thing, stop by one of your local tackle stores, especially here in San Diego. Dwayne's made it a point to make sure that there are applications and complete rundown on everything you can expect for the tournament, all the sponsors, and you got great sponsors for this tournament, Dwayne. But if they can't get by a tackle store, they're you know shut in at work. Where else can they go to get the information to enter this year's Bay Bass Tournament, Dwayne?
14: Well, um, there's two ways. You can just give me a call at my phone number, 619-972-1503. That would probably be the quickest way. Or, like I said earlier, if you go to our website, San Diego Anglers with an S on the end, dot com, And go to the the tournaments tab and just click on that and follow the directions. uh, And uh, um, you can sign up there. The form is right there and and the directions and everything you want to know about the tournament is right there.
1: Well, Dwayne, you know, we look forward to maybe uh, contacting you. I know you're going to be running around, but next week maybe we can get a hold of you and you can give us a rundown at exactly what happened in this year's Bay Bass Tournament.
14: I certainly can do that. Uh, Saturday tournament and the Sunday radio show, that's nice and
1: convenient. (laughs) All right. Hey, Dwayne Pottenau from the San Diego Anglers telling us about the 2017 Open Bay Bass Tournament. Dwayne, thanks a lot for being with us. Have a great week. I know we'll be seeing you because I've got a donation that we're making here for Anglers Arsenal and Western Plastics and Rod and Reel Radio, and along with all the other sponsors that are donating to this event. Good luck to you, and... uh, we look forward to seeing you, if not before, on Saturday, okay?
14: Thank you very much, and thanks for the
1: invite. All right. Hey, uh, you're listening to Ron Real Radio. Hey, don't go away because we've got Mike Lump coming with us. He's going to be talking about the Fred Hall shows coming up in March. The Fred Hall shows are presented to you by Progressive Insurance, and now there are three Fred Hall shows to choose from. One in Long Beach, one in Bakersfield, one in San Diego. March, March is going to be a busy month. You're going to want to find out all about it. So stay tuned. Stan, Wendy, and I will be back after these messages. <laughs> Captain Chris Rando from Chief Sports Fishing and Captain Chris, tell us about what's happening on the Chief. It's here and it's time to go on the Chief. For those you that are not familiar with the
11: vessel, she's an 85 by 24 deluxe sport fisher that offers a wide variety of open party trips ranging from one to five days in length. We're also available for private group charters. The Chief's onboard anemones include a fully remodeled galley with comfortable seating for 25, twin flat screen TVs with hundreds of movies, two roomy indoor heads with fresh hot water showers, stateroom and open berthing areas, an impressively large deck area, 200 scoop bait capacity, we have twin 6 ton spray brine fish holds to keep your catch fresh and our professional courteous crew will go the extra mile to make your trip a memorable one. To view our schedule, log on to HM Landing at
5: www.hmlanding.com or feel free to give them a call at 619-222-1144. You can also follow us on Facebook and at our webpage at Chief sportfish dot com
13: 7262 or just spell Bass Boat. one 800 boat. I know, there's too many letters, but the T is free and the call's on me. That's one 800 boat, the choice of the pros for bass boat insurance. For more information, log on to 1-800-BASSBOAT.COM
6: If the fish are biting, I'm on my boat rain or shine. Of course, I wear my life jacket. It's like wearing a seatbelt. Clip it on, grab my tackle box and hit the water.
7: Love California, Boat California, Save California. A message from California State Parks Division of Boating and Waterways.
1: And again, Stan, Wendy, and I, we want to welcome you back to the show. You know, wintertime is here. We live in Southern California. How great can that be? Our fishing is still good. We still have freshwater fishing to be had. Captain said he was telling us about the great saltwater fishing we're still experiencing but one of the best things about living in the Southern California and the Southwest here is the fishing shows, and we have absolutely the premier consumer fishing show in the country with us. The Fred Hall shows, brought to you by Progressive Insurance. They're just right around the corner. Who better to talk to uh, us about them is the general manager of the shows himself and a good friend of fishing overall, Mr. Mike Lom. Mike, welcome to Rod and Reel Radio.
10: Well, hello, everyone. Thank you. (laughs)
1: good to have you
10: mike
1: thanks for being with us well i guess i have to ask you you know first out of the gate on march uh... first through fifth is the fred hall show in long beach but you know it wasn't two shows enough uh... uh... mike now they've added a third show in bakersfield what the heck was bart thinking
10: Well, you know, they accuse us of only working about 3 weeks a year, so I figured they uh, they thought that we, they thought that we needed something else to do for that last week in the month. But uh, yes, we we have added uh we've added Bakersfield which uh, is an exciting show. It's actually uh been around for 20 years in the venue that it's currently at at the Kern County Fairgrounds under the name Central Valley Sports Show. And so we have uh, added the Fred Hall name to that for this year and uh trying to keep as much of it uh, like it has been because it's a wonderful show. It has a lot of uh, exciting things going on. And, uh, and what we did was, was try to hang on to everything they had and add uh, some of the areas that we were a little stronger in, and we've managed to do that. We've uh, created a special um, building that we're, we're calling the Fishing Hall, and uh, all the other exhibits have been moved out of that building, and it's 100% fishing and fishing travel uh, in that particular building, and um, that's going to be really fun. Fun to have. Uh, in the past, they've always had fishing as part of the show, of course, but it's been spread out throughout the various buildings, and and uh, so we consolidated uh, what they had and brought a whole bunch more. And we've got we got the landings, we got the Baja guys, we have got the Alaska guys, we got the. Uh, the local lakes and lodges and guides and, and all the fishing tackle uh, that they that they've ever had in the show uh, multiplied it about five times, and so we've got a real fishing show up there in Bakersfield.
1: Well, it's true, but man, you've got the bull by the horns here because the you know the big jewel in the crown of the Fred Hall shows is uh, coming up first in Long Beach. That's March first uh, through fifth. I, was I? Over-exaggerating by saying that this absolutely is the largest consumer fishing and sports show that's in the United States, I I, I can't think of one well, that's larger.
10: No, we are the largest... Uh recreational fishing show in the country. We're actually, I mean, uh, by default, we're the largest in the world. That just sounds a little much, but uh, the fact <laughs> is there is no there is no consumer fishing show anywhere like the Long Beach Fred Hall show. and uh, We do have uh, uh, um, attendees that come in from all over the country to attend the show. They, they usually, about right now, start sending me emails wanting to know when the seminar schedules are going to be done because they want to buy their airplane <laughs> tickets and book their hotel rooms and they want to make sure that they're there on the right days. Uh, but, uh, yeah, yeah, that, that happens every year at this time, and we have people come in from all over the country. And uh, when I go and travel and go to the different shows and talk to the manufacturers and suppliers, um, they all are familiar with the Fred Hall Show in Long Beach. That is the granddaddy of the of recreational fishing shows.
1: You know, I'm sorry to refer to this as a fishing show because also in the title of Fred Hall Show is The Ultimate outdoor experience and even though you may not be a fisherman, there is something at a Fred Hall show for you. Family, uh young ones, old ones, I mean it is uh it it it, it covers the complete demographic when it comes to you know people wanting to share the outdoors.
10: Yeah it does and, and last year we started using uh, the phrase uh, um to share the passion and that's really what what this show is and it's a very family fun event we've worked real hard over the years to keep it that way so that we have uh kids of all ages coming in of course mammoth lakes is gracious enough to sponsor the kids fishing free trout ponds at at all of the shows including bakersfield and so uh, all the kids get to come out and catch their first uh the first trout there in the in the in the uh, pond that we have and and we have now it's always interesting we have the the youngest kid, three years old or whatever, they're two years old, mom and dad holding them, and the mom and dad are the ones that that were, they caught their first fish at the same at the same pond in the same venue, and and they, there's the grandpa standing next to him, and you got you got all the generations there, all saying the same thing that that this Fred Hall show has become a an annual tradition for their families, and uh, it's just really nice to see it it last this long. I think we're into our seventy second year in the oh in the Los Angeles market, and. Um, and most of us can't remember, you know, when there wasn't a Fred Hall show. And and frankly, I think we take it for granted because other markets don't have such a thing.
1: You know, in the past uh, few weeks, we've had like Jimmy Houston and Sean Grigsby and, and then uh, uh, Dean Rojas and we just had Gary Klein on. And one of the things they talked about is the passion that they have for your sport and When I go to a Fred Hall show, and Stan, Wendy, and I, we've been going to these things since you know, the early 80s and maybe before. I can't believe the passion that you and Bart and Gina and all the people have for running these shows and doing what they can to not only make them as good as they were the year before, but to try and exceed everyone's expectations. And it seems like you always do it.
14: Well, you know, we, we work at it all year long, and uh,
10: and it's something we think about. When we're at the show, we are actually making notes and taking photographs for the following year. So it doesn't just happen in the last uh, month before the show. We work on it all year long to make it happen, and, of course, we rely heavily on the manufacturers and the other exhibitors that make the show. And, and I always can kind of consider the shows as kind of a three-legged stool, you know. We're, we're one of the legs to produce the show, but the other leg is uh, exhibitors that make it all a show, and then, of course, the attendees who come and make it all worth uh, while doing. And any one of those legs uh, uh, that's missing, and you no longer have this thing that we all know as uh, the Fred Hall shows.
1: Wendy, what can you tell... The women that are in our audience listening, that going, oh man, there's another show coming up. Uh, uh, I might have to go out with my significant other and and walk around this. But you, as a woman, from your standpoint, what do you what do you think about the uh, going to a Fred Hall show, especially the one coming up here in Long Beach?
3: Well, for one, being female, and if you have children, it's the best place to take your kids to go have them learn about the great outdoors and have fun and go fish and shoot a bow and arrow and, and play the, uh, the simulators and, and go around and see all the different things. You can see all the fish. Uh, as a female who loves to fish and hunt, I'm in paradise. Too bad I can't walk the aisles because I'm working. <laughs>
10: Well, you know, you know, Wendy, it's really interesting that you said that because a lot of the exhibitors never get an opportunity to see what's there. We have, for the last five years, we've had a, a deal at the show at Long Beach called Discover Dive, and it's a pool, a heated pool, where people can come in, put on a dry suit right over their street clothes, and, and get into the tank with instructors and, and breathe underwater uh, for the first time, and experience what scuba diving is all about, and then and then come out of the pool, peel off the dry suit, dry their hair, put their shoes back on, and finish walking the show. And and I've mentioned that over the years, and I have exhibitors many that said I had no idea you did that, and it's right in the show floor, right on the main aisle, and and, and hundreds and hundreds of people. Uh, come in every year and, and do that, and it's just a big, big part of the show. It's just one more thing people can do. If you've ever thought about scuba diving but never were really sure you wanted to try it, this is about as simple as it gets to see if you're if you would be a candidate to to uh, to go and take it a step further. Same thing with the kayaks. A lot of people hear all about kayak fishing. We have an enormous selection of kayaks, but right out there on the lagoon, Hobie puts a whole fleet of of their Mirage Drive kayaks, and anyone can go out there and sit in a kayak and paddle it around and say, wow, this is a lot better than I thought it might be. It's very stable and very easy. It's not hard on the back. I think I
2: want to do this. Where else can you do that?
10: Wow. Okay. You know, it, it,
2: even, even more than that, the, the fishing industry a lot of the times brings out what's new for the year at at the Fred Hall show and if a guy's willing to just walk the aisles and because not they don't go in and out of every booth but you got to stop and actually talk to the people and ask you know you know sometimes what do you have that's new or or what did you bring to the show that we don't know i' I've, I've missed so much that you know I've got booths there that I'm working wendy's working John's working if, and you try to get out and and it's hard even when you're there for the five days to go in and out of all of the aisles and see everything that's there. And I know you guys are plugged to the gills this year. With you, and you've got a lot of new stuff and a lot of we new do. people that are going to be there. Uh, it's a, yeah, it's an do. opportunity to really see some of the things that are, uh, in, are going to be involved in ongoing fishing for your uh, either saltwater or freshwater fishermen that you won't see if you don't go and go look. No, the there's Disneyland
3: a lot of new products for that, are, that
2: have been held for this show. Wendy?
3: It's the Disneyland for Outdoor Enthusiasts. You guys have multiple
10: day passes. <laughs> yes, you know, you know, we get that's the number one question we get asked every year: is Is there multi day passes? And we have often tried to figure out how to get it done, and and we just can't. But we have so many people that come multiple days because you cannot see the show, right? Uh, not to mention there there's four over four hundred seminars, free educational seminars that take place during the five days, and if you're interested in those, you just simply can't. Can't uh, see those or, or even a handful of them, and still see the rest of the show. So it is a multi-day kind of an event.
1: You know, also Mike, uh, long ago, Bart and Fred they came up with the concept that hey, they need the manufacturers there. They need the people that actually produce this product. And so you can go there and you can see the manufacturer. They are offering nothing for sale in their booth, but you can talk about the products if you use their products you have a problem with it, this is the place to go. Or if you're looking for the features, advantages, and benefits of using their products, they've got the people in place there to tell you exactly what you need to know about their product. Whether it's fishing reels, rods, uh, line clippers, whatever it is, the manufacturers come to the show because they know how important it is to inform the general public about their product without regard to them buying anything there. And that, that's, no, that's one of the big things about the show.
10: That's very true, and that's also something that's rare. It's very hard today to find consumer shows that the manufacturers actually attend. Uh, there's only a few in the whole country that that some attend, and I don't know anybody that has more of the factory displays uh, than we do.
1: All right. Hey. You know,
3: another great thing, though um, is that for people who want to go to different destinations, the Fred Hall has so many different des- destinations that people can go to from Alaska to Costa Rica to, to I mean Mexico, I mean all the different places that you want to go to, you can talk to everyone in one spot.
10: We we even have an exhibit this year uh, Wendy from American Samoa. Which, <laughs> wow, really? <laughs> I didn't I didn't even know we had that. Somebody uh, I think Bart signed them up and I was looking down the list for something yesterday and I saw it and I I started laughing, thinking, wow, I don't think we've ever had that before.
1: Hey, Mike, uh, we're running out of time where people need to know more about the Fred Hall shows coming up in Long Beach, Bakersfield, and San Diego. Where can they go to get uh, more information?
10: Well, um, uh, FredHall.com is our website. We will continually add as we get closer to the shows. But you can get all the times and dates uh, there and uh, locations and all the the stuff. FredHall.com and all three of the shows are represented there.
1: Well, Mike Blum, uh, General Manager of the Fred Hall Shows, I hope we can get you on before the shows begin. I hope we can also talk to Bart. Thanks a lot for giving us a little bit of a teaser of what's happening at the 2017 Fred Hall Shows coming up in Long Beach, Bakersfield, and San Diego in March. Appreciate your time tonight, sir.
10: Appreciate you having me on. I'll see you guys at the show. All right. Yes, you will.
1: Hey guys, we've gone w- way over time and they're about ready to pull the plug on us. We want to thank, uh, you know, Stan and Wendy, thanks a lot for making the effort to be here on the show like you do every week. We want to thank Jorge, Ben here in San Diego, always in memory of Big Tuna Bill and Eddie McEwen who gave us this great tradition, which is Rod and Real Radio, and you, the listeners, for giving up some of your Sunday to be with us. We'll be back next Sunday night on AM 540 or at Rod and Real Radio with more Rod and Real Radio. So until then, we'll see you on the water. Good night, everyone. We're out for now.